You'll have to you listen to me a bit now. Uh, as you know, this is uh, what some call Holy Week. And at the end of this week, we have a very, very special service. It's our Good Friday service. If you've never been to it before, you really need to come. Um, it really is uh, what, what I would call probably the highlights of the whole year. And then come to church on Sunday. Bring somebody with you. Do you know that Easter time is a, is a time in a lot of people celebrate, they go to church. For some people, it's the only time in the year that they go to church. And, uh, and some have actually entered into the practice of, of Lent, celebrating Lent, which is 40 days before Easter, the time of preparing our hearts, uh, fasting, praying, preparing for the Easter experience. The problem is, is a lot of people don't really understand what Easter is about. They don't really understand the point or the purpose. They practice it. They'll go to church because, you know, they were maybe baptized as babies. And they think, well, like, you know, it's that time of the year. Got to go to church. It's the, the be kind to God week. And so people go to church and then they forget about it for the rest of the year. I need to tell you this morning what Easter is really all about. And I'm not going to bore you with, you know, with a rant against how we've lost the meaning of Easter. The fact of the matter is, is that if you don't know Jesus Christ, if he's not, is not somebody that you're following faithfully, then you won't understand the point of Easter. And uh, you will probably continue to, to celebrate Easter the way you always do. A few, uh, a few eggs and chocolate bunnies and, and uh, new clothes for Easter. I don't know what, you're, what you do, but there's more to it than that. So here's what it's about. It's about life. That's what Easter's about. It's about life. In fact, last week we talked about what happens when you actually become a new believer. And we said that through Jesus Christ, you actually get a brand new you. And I said that I could always tell who the brand new Christians are, the bright, you know, brand new, shiny new believers, because they always talk about their past life as though it were lived by, an, by a different person. They talk about their old life as somebody, you know, somebody else. You know, my old, the old me would have lost this temper. The old me would have done this or that or the other thing. And now they talk about themselves as the new person. Well, guess what? That is precisely correct. For those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and followed Jesus Christ, you actually are a brand new creature. You're a brand new creation. You're a new person. That's what the Bible says. This means that everyone or anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. After the service last week, I had somebody come to me and say, you know what, that's, that's our only hope. That's my only hope. This is exactly what I needed to hear. And a number of, of, of texts and emails saying basically the same thing. That is the gospel. That's the good news that we celebrate here. Is that the old you, with all of its mistakes and all of its problems and, and, the, and the multitude of ways that you've messed up. Man, when you become a Christian, it's all buried, it's gone, and you're brand new. The brand new you. But guess what? It doesn't stop there. There's so much more. The next thing that I need to tell you about is about what we call eternal life. So you not only get a brand new life, but Jesus says that you actually will get eternal life. 
And not, it doesn't just stop there. There's even more. There's abundant life. So not only do you get a new life, but you get a good life, a wonderful life, which I'll be talking about next week. But today, what I want to do is I want to talk about eternal life. I want to talk about how that impacts your life. What significance does that have for you? Because a lot of people think, well, you know, talking about eternal life, well, you know, that's, that applies to when I die, you know, and two thumbs up for eternal life, but it's not really the thing that I'm facing right now. Well, if you think that, you could never be more wrong. Because here's what you and I need to understand. Eternal life affects you and me now. Those who give their hearts to Jesus Christ, those who follow Jesus Christ, are people who have entered into eternity already. That might come as a surprise to you. But the fact of the matter is, is that you have come alive. The moment that you gave your heart to Jesus, you have come alive and you will never die. That's what, that's what the Bible says. You will live forever. Not your physical body, but your spirit will live forever with Christ. It's pretty amazing. So here's what you and I need to understand. You and I need to understand that we need to begin living eternally right here and right now. To understand that the way you live and the way that I live will actually echo in eternity. What you do right now, what you say right now, the way you live your life right now has eternal significance. I was uh, looking at a blog talking about depression and about um, why people suffer the way they do. And at the end of the blog, there was this, this response that I think so beautifully, sadly, but beautifully, describes in a nutshell what so many people are suffering in our world today. And it's not just in poor countries, it's in the rich countries. It's in, in fact, it's in every country, in every place, in every human heart. And here's what this woman says. She says, I'm an aging baby boomer. I'm 63, unemployed, and feeling purposeless in life. Each day I wake up and wonder what to do with another day. Children have long since gone. The dog has died a few months back, and a marriage with a husband who also lives under the cloak of depression. Frankly, that sounds like country music to me. The dog's died, kids are gone, my husband's depressed, and so am I. <laughs> Let's just end it. She says, I had to go shopping today to buy a birthday gift for someone. And just being out and having a reason to be out was like, I remember what life was like once. When there was a reason each day, when I wished I had more time to relax. Yeah. Not so great when all you have time to do nothing is nothing, and there doesn't seem to be any hope down the road. And listen to this. She says, I am numb inside. Don't want to die, but don't see a reason to live like this. Now that is the dilemma that so many people are facing even now. They don't want to die, but they don't want to live like this. 
Maybe some of you are like that here today. Maybe some of you who've been in church for years, you've gone to church for years, and in fact, you say, you know what, pastor, I don't know why it is. I come to church, I sing the songs, but inside I feel numb. I don't want to die, but I don't see a reason to live either. Well, here's what you and I need to understand. There is a solution. There is an answer to this. I do have a, an answer to this woman. She, she signs off as Ricochet. And this is what I would say to Ricochet if she was sitting right here in the front, front row. I'd look her right in the eyes and I'd say, Ricochet, when God created you, he created you to be an eternal being. He created you for eternal purposes. In fact, Ricochet, your life will never make sense and you will always feel numb. You will go on feeling numb until you come to the place where you understand, first of all, that God created you and that God created you for a purpose. Here's what Solomon, who was called the wisest man who ever lived, here's what he said in Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything, read this with me please. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So here's what we do know about God. We do know that God has created us in his image. And he has created us with eternity in our hearts. What do I mean by that? Very simply this. You and I were not created to die. You and I were created to live with God forever. Now that may sound strange to some of you, but I can tell you this. This is what sets Christianity apart from just a a philosophy or a philosophical approach to life. Is that you were created for more than what you experience while you live and breathe on this earth. You were created for eternity. In fact, I I think I can prove it to you this morning. Because a lot of people, maybe from, you know, from, a, uh, from a scientific background, and, and look, at, I'm not putting down science. I, I think science, if it does anything, it actually proves Christianity. That might come as a shock to you. But I can tell you this, if, if you don't understand science, and if you've taken the wrong approach to science, then here's where you may have come to. You may have come to the place where you think, oh, well, I'm just an animal. I live for a few years, and then I die, and then it's over. Well, listen to to me. Darwin, Dawkins, whoever. When it comes to to the last day of life, I have yet to hear somebody say, oh, well, this is the end. I lived my life and now it's over and this is the way it's supposed to be. Okay, I'll close my eyes and I'll die. If I die, don't resuscitate me. It's over. I found quite the opposite. Most people... They want to live. They want to be resuscitated. They want the doctors to keep working to the last moment, to the last breath, to figure out a way to keep them living, to keep them going. They don't want to die. Now, there's no logical explanation for this, except that born in us is a desire to live forever. I don't want to die. I don't want to die. And guess what? Most people don't. In fact, if a person takes their life, if a person commits suicide, if a person ends their life, what do we say? We say, well, they're probably not in their right mind. They're probably mentally disturbed. We say that 
things were not right. Because you and I were created to live forever. We are eternal beings. If you go through history, you will see archaeologists have dug up all sorts of evidence to prove that we as humans expect that there's more to life. A few years ago, my family uh, took my family to Egypt, and we went down into the belly of one of the, the pyramids. These massive structures in the middle of the desert. And what are they built for? They were built to preserve the pharaoh's belongings, the stuff that he wants to take with him into eternity. So we went down into the belly of the pyramid, and there where the pharaoh's body would have lain, this massive room. And in that room would have been gold and silver and, and weapons and all the things that he would need for the other world. Man has always been this way. He's always thought that there's got to be something more. In the Chinese culture, they'll, they actually will worship their ancestors, pray to their ancestors. Why? Because they understand there's got to be more. Not that many years ago, they discovered in China the Terracotta Army. Some of you may have seen documentaries on this subject. 8,000 soldiers, 150 uh, cavalry, um, uh, 520 horses, 130 chariots, all made out of terracotta. And these, these terracotta figures were all meant to accompany the emperor into the next world. Humans are born with eternity in their hearts. We understand instinctively that there's got to be more. Have you ever heard of uh, cryonics? You can actually go, go to uh, companies that will freeze your body so that when the day comes, when they can fix your disease or prolong life or whatever, then they can thaw you out, bring you back to life, and you can go on living. That's, that's the hope. You see, people will do just about anything to live forever. There's a new, a new uh, practice. It's called uh, extropian futurists. And they propose that, thanks to the exp- exponentially growing computing power, that someday it will be possible to upload human consciousness onto a computer system, system, and then that way you would be able to live indefinitely in a virtual environment. People are desperate to live forever. Why? Because, as Solomon tells us, we're born with eternity in our hearts. It's what we want. It's what we desire. It's what we look for. It's a natural part of who we are and what it means to be human. Have you heard of cybernetics? This is the practice of transforming a human into a into what you, I mean, for lack of a better term, a cyborg. And this can, can include brain implants or extracting a human mind and then placing it into a robotic life support system so that, theoretically, you could be immortal. It's born in us. You know, at funerals, there's people, I see, I see this all the time, people who never go to church from one year to the next. 
But at the funerals, they see auntie, uncle, grandpa, grandma lying there in their coffin. They talk about the day when they will be in heaven and they'll be reunited with auntie and uncle and on and on it goes. These people who are not religious in any way never go to church, but at the moment when they're facing death, they recognize there's got to be more. My grandmother was hostile to the gospel, hostile to the church. She didn't like the fact that I was a pastor. She thought I was wasting my time. She always thought I should be a a shoe salesman. That was a a much more, um, a much better profession, much more honorable than being a pastor. So I don't know where you, what you think of that, but um, that's what my grandma thought. And so I grew up with a grandma that was very opposed to Christianity. But on her deathbed, her eyes were closed, and the only way that she could communicate was just by, by holding my hand and squeezing it to different questions that I would ask her. It was there when she was facing death, facing eternity, it was there that I was able to lead her to Christ. And she was able to accept Christ into her life. I asked her, do you want me to pray with you so that your heart is right with God? And I said, if you, if you want that, then squeeze my hand. And she squeezed my hand. And there, in her last moments, she made her peace with God. It's amazing, folks, what happens when we come to the end. When we haven't got the arrogance or the hubris thinking that we're going to live forever in our youth and in our energy and in our, in our own strength. You and I are created with eternity in our hearts. And when you and I become Christians, what we're doing is we're saying, God, I'm accepting that eternity that Jesus offers. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 5, verse 24. He said, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God, who sent me, have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. So the good news is this, my friends, is that when you and I surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, and we accept Christ into our life, and when we ask God by your spirit to help me to follow Jesus, you actually enter into eternal life right on the spot. You have the gift and the promise of eternity. And today, if you haven't received that, if you haven't received what I talked about last week, this new life in Christ, you can have that. You can have it today. Before you leave this building, you can say, Jesus, I want to surrender my life to you. I want to become a brand new creation, a brand new creature. I'm sick of my old life. I'm sick of, of everything about what I am. I want to become new. You can have that today. The Bible says all you have to do is come to him and ask him to forgive you of your sin. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. And if you do that, talk to me so I can help you with the next step. And here's the thing. If you do that and when you do that, you immediately begin your eternal journey. You become what God wants you to become. You begin to do what God wants you to do. Now, to say this, Jesus was followed and loved because he preached a message that nobody heard at that time. Nobody, very few people, actually knew what happened after you died. And they were frightened of it. They wanted to know what happened. 
And then Jesus comes along and he says, here's, here's what's going to happen. If you put your faith in me, if you trust me, you will receive eternal life. This is amazing because get this, the priest didn't believe in it. The priests in Jesus' day, they didn't believe that you went and you, when you died, you went to heaven. They, didn't, they believed that it was all over. The aristocrats of Israel, they believed that it was over. You died, that's it, finished. Interestingly, it was the Pharisees who believed in eternal life. And so this is why the Pharisees, they believed Jesus, sort of. They, they followed him, sort of, but they didn't like where he was going with that message. And they tried to stop him dead in his tracks. In the meantime, we've got these poor people, these peasants, no training, no books, no internet, nothing to, nobody to look to. But Jesus comes along and he makes this incredible offer of eternal life. And he says, all you have to do is believe in the God who sent me and believe in my message. So here's what I'm going to say to you today. You can have the promise, the gift of eternal life. If you put your hope in Jesus Christ. And guess what? It doesn't stop there. That's only the beginning. Now here's the rest of the story. Once you have accepted Jesus Christ and you've begun this eternal journey, you know that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. Once you you know that, folks, what you've got to do now is you've got to begin to think about how you're living here and now. Here's what, here's what uh, the Apostle Paul says. He's one of the writers of the, of the New Testament. Look at this in Ephesians 2.10. And could you read that with me? For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. That person beside you, God created that person beside you. Take a look at that person right now. Would you just now, now look at tell that person you are a masterpiece. Go ahead, tell them that. Now, for some of you, that's the first nice thing you've heard all year. Nobody said anything that nice to you before. Okay, look at here. Listen to this, folks. God is saying this to you today. You are a masterpiece, and guess what? You have been created by God to do good things, good works that he has actually planned for you before you were ever born. Things that only you can do. And this is why it's so critical that you show up for duty, that you show up to do the thing that God wants you to do, that you use your gifts, your skills, you use whatever God has given you to do the work that only you can do where you live in the circle of friends that you have. You see, I know, I know most of you here this morning, and there's nothing I'd love more than to come into your social circle and try to help you minister to the friends in your life. But guess what? You can do it. Because God has created you to do that. God has created you to make a difference in your world, in the lives of the people around you. God had this work planned for you before you were ever born. Now, let's go back to poor Ricochet, who says, I don't want to die, but I don't want to live like this anymore. Good news, Ricochet. We've got good news for you. Number one, you were created for eternity. And number two, you were created to do good works. So get off your deaf stuff, watching TV, and start making a difference in the lives of the people around you. People say all the time, where is God in this dark world? I'll tell you where God is. 
God's here. And he wants to use you to make a difference in this dark, broken, hurting, suffering world. He wants you to show up and do what he would do if he were walking this earth. You saw in the little video Jesus going to heaven and left the disciples behind. Why do you think he left the disciples behind? Because they had work to do. Work that God had planned far in advance for them to do. And that's why you're still here. Some of you have got, gone through terrible suffering. Some of you have been through terrible things. Some of you experienced terrible abuse. Some of you are, are suffering physically. Guess what, people? God wants to take and use your life, your story, your hurts, your pain, your suffering, your struggles. He wants to use it so that you can turn around and help somebody else. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Your life now has eternal significance. Your life counts for eternity. And what you do in this life will echo in eternity. God wants to use you. He wants you to do work that only you can do. The problem is this, and I'll tell you, this is what makes me believe in a devil. Because the, the, the devil, or as I like it, the way it says it, the New Living Translation, it translates um, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. I like that. That's a good description of the devil. In areas that you can't see, he's busy at work trying to convince you that the thing that's going to make you happiest is by you just living for yourself and doing whatever you want. That is why Ricochet got into the trouble she got into. That's why her life is meaningless. This is why she's depressed and why her husband's depressed. And this is why she doesn't want to die, but she doesn't want to go on living the way she is. And can I just say this? There are many Christians who call themselves followers of Christ who live exactly the same way. Their life has no purpose or meaning. Why? Because they haven't shown up for duty to do the work that God planned for us to do long ago. What are you doing with your life? What difference are you making in this world? Some of you are living a very meaningless life. Fyodor uh, Dostoevsky wrote a book called The House of the Dead. Basically, it's, it's, it's fairly autobiographical, but he talks about his experience in prison. And he says what the guards would do, in the, the inhumane, vicious, mean, senseless guards who resented these soldiers, resented the hardship that they were experiencing, they would make these, soldiers, these poor prisoners do horrible things. And it might not be what you would think. When you think of horrible, you think of torture and on and on. But here's, here's what they did. And this, Dostoevsky said, was the worst of all. The prisoners would be forced to take a pile of garbage there and move it, the rubbish from that end of the field or of the yard to that end. And then after they'd moved everything over there, then the, so the guards would say, okay, now take it and move it all back again. And then they'd move it back again and then back again. And Dostoevsky said those that were there the longest... It wasn't long before they were committing suicide. It wasn't long before they were hanging themselves. They preferred death to such humiliation. You see, listen, folks, you were created in the image of God. You were not created for that kind of humiliating, kind of meaningless work. You were created to do great things. You are God's masterpiece. Created to do great things. 
Frank, survivor of the Nazi POW camp. 1944, the camp that he was in was bombed by the Allied bombers. And there sat a pile of destroyed buildings, rubbish. The commandant said to the prisoners, I want you to take all of that rubbish and move it over there. Exactly the same thing. Obviously, that part of the world, they're comparing notes on how to hurt and destroy the hearts and the minds of prisoners. So that's what they did back and forth. They did this for about six weeks and suddenly men started going mad, like literally losing their minds. Men began to sob uncontrollably. One man actually ran right into the electrified fence. He'd rather die than do this meaningless work over and over and over again. Remember last week I said we were not created to just exist? We're not like gerbils living in a cage, rooting around in the, in the cedar chips, on the, on, the little, on the little treadmill, going around and around in circles, eating our food, drinking our water, and going to sleep. That's not what we're created for. You're a masterpiece. These men couldn't take it anymore. They cried out for death. They cried out, kill us, but don't make us do this meaningless, humiliating work anymore. And the commandant of the camp later explained that he was forced to do this experiment on these prisoners to understand mental health and to see what would happen when people were giving meaningless work. My friends, listen to me. There's a whole, whole world out there that is engaged in a meaningless life, and they hate it, and they don't even understand what's going on inside them. What they're doing is they're trying to medicate themselves against this meaninglessness. They drink, they do drugs, they're workaholics, They try to entertain themselves, amuse themselves. Why are kids spending hours and hours playing video games? And really, how much more information do you need to know about your friends on Facebook? Really? And people are on that for hours. Why? Because they're trying to find meaning in this life that seems so meaningless. And here's what we try to do is we try to treat the symptoms and we don't go after the systemic problem. The the problem is not your alcoholism or your drug addiction. It's not your workaholism. It's that deep inside of you, you don't have a reason to live. You don't have a meaning or a purpose. And the good news of the gospel is this, is that Jesus Christ comes along and says, I am going to give you eternal life. And I want you to begin your eternal life now by doing the work that God had prepared for you in eternity. That's what God wants for you. I I don't treat symptoms, folks. I try to get to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem for so many of us here today is that we don't have a purpose. We don't have meaning in our lives. You'll never find us judging or condemning anybody here with any kind of a problem. What we try to do is we try to introduce you to the Jesus Christ who offers you life, who offers you eternal life, who offers you abundant life. That's what this church is about. That's what Easter is about. If you know somebody in your life right now whose life is a mess, who really needs help, I would, I would challenge you to invite them to church next week. 
because they will find the solution to their problem. Whether it's marriage or family or work or just personal personal torment. Jesus has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. You know, we we have we uh, we have so bought in bought in to what our culture says will make us happy that we have forgotten what Jesus has said. Gloria and I took a pastor couple out for dinner. They were tired. They were leaving the province. They were going down east to be the, basically the last time we would see them. And we wanted to do something really special for them, really nice. So we called them up and said, "We'd like to take you to Chop." Has anybody heard of Chop Restaurant? Yeah, it's like a month's salary to go there. So we said, we want to take you out somewhere special. They deserve it. They worked hard. So we took them out. We're sitting there having dinner together. And next thing you know, she's pulling out her phone. So I thought, oh, it's an emergency. Okay, so it's fine. No problem. That happens to me. It happens. Do you know that she was on that phone all night long while while we're sitting there trying to have a visit with them? I don't know if she's playing games or texting or emailing. I don't know what she's doing. But the whole time that we're with them, we're not with her. How many know what I'm talking about? We're, we're so bought into this idea that I've got to occupy my time, occupy my, my mind. I've got to be doing something. And meanwhile, I'm thinking to myself, I should make them pay for half of this. <laughs> but I didn't. I paid. But I thought to myself after, wow. It's, it's so easy, my friends, for us to forget what life is really all about. It's about relationships. It's about doing things that count for eternity. It's about doing this great work that God planned for you in eternity before you were ever born. That's what the Apostle Paul is staying, saying in the scripture verse. This past week, I had um, a late lunch with Dennis, Janet, and Denny. And I wanted to talk to them about, about Burundi and establishing a plan. As we were sitting there for three hours, making the plans for Burundi and the 10 acres of land and, and the, the presence center in downtown Buiza. And as we are trying to make these plans, it suddenly occurred to me, these three people sitting at the table with me all have full-time jobs, They're very, very busy people. They're good at what they do. But here they are taking the time out on a Friday afternoon to make plans for people who can't pay them a nickel for their services. And inside my heart, I felt uh, this, this massive sense of joy and gladness that I had the privilege of working alongside people who understand that they have discovered the plan that God had made for them in eternity. And we look at people like that and we sometimes think, oh, these are the heroes. Guess what? God expects that from every one of us. And this is not to put condemnation or judgment or put a heavy on you or a guilt trip on you. My friends, it's to, to sound the call to come and do what God wants you to do. To be the person God wants you to be. To do that great thing that only you can do. Because... We can do the good things that God planned for us long ago. Are you ready to do them? It's not too late, you know. I, I'm, uh, I'm on the other side of 50 now. 
as some of you know. And uh, just for fun, I, I googled uh, new, new career, new start for people over 50. You should try it. It's quite fun. And then all, it just started to list all kinds of people. By the way, I'm not, I'm not changing it and going anywhere. I'm staying put for better or for worse. Uh, but I Googled it to see what, it, what came up. And it was amazing. It listed the, the numbers of people listed that actually began their greatest and most significant work after they're 50. So I'm telling you this to say this. It's not too late to do the great thing that God wants you to do. You are a masterpiece. God created you to do incredible things. Things that will last for eternity. Not the temporal stuff that won't last, that is insignificant. Like watching hours of TV or playing hours of video games or posting for hours on Facebook. I'm talking stuff that will echo in eternity. For instance, we have a team going to Burundi. We've got a doctor, we've got a couple of nurses, we've got administrators, business people, and a pastor or two. And we're going to make a difference for eternity. We've got a team of young people going to Costa Rica. Why are we sending them there? So that they will learn at the young age what it means to do something that will last for eternity, that has eternal significance. We've already begun to see a change in our young people. Scott Moyer and, and his gang started a Bible study at Tech Vok. I think they had something like 40 or more kids go through there already. Unbelievable. This is happening at the same time that we're hearing reports on the news about Bill 18, where there is a fight to allow the gay and lesbian, uh, gay and lesbian straight alliance in the schools. I'm not, I don't want to focus on the negative. I want to focus on the positive. The fact that we've got Christian kids who understand what it means to be a masterpiece and do the great things that God planned long ago for them to do. And it's not just at Tech Vox. It's at, the, it's at the numbers of high schools represented in our youth group. Folks, listen to me. If our, if our teenagers can do the great things that God had planned for them long ago to do, then don't you think you can too? at your job site, with your neighbors, in your family. I was thinking about some of the people who've signed up for service to use their gifts. I don't mean to embarrass anybody here, but on Tuesday night, Trish has got a group that comes together to, to pray. Not a large group, a small group. And by the way, anybody's welcome. Seven o'clock Tuesdays is to pray. To pray for the church and pray for the teams and pray for me. And I get a little report and Ivan shows up faithfully and has a, has a devotional. And Trish has a prayer list. And they, and they join their hearts together and they pray. Doing significant work that lasts for eternity. We've got uh, Moira. I think of how she brought in a whole big bag of knits that she, or mitts that she, knits, of mitts that she knitted in front of the TV. While she was watching TV, knitting mitts. I guess that's a way to redeem yourself watching TV. And she said, this is for the homeless who've got cold hands. I'm telling you, folks, that will count for eternity. She'll hear all about it when she gets to heaven. I can guarantee you that. I think of Christy. Christy Weeb at our Good Friday service last year, sick as a dog. But she was there to, to paint for us and to minister to our hearts through the gift that God's given her. And by the way, she's going to be doing it again this Good Friday. You don't want to miss the Good Friday service or Sunday morning service. 
using her gifts. She's a masterpiece, creating masterpieces. Isn't that great? I think of my sister on the bus to supervise the children so that Jeff Weston can drive that bus. These volunteers not getting a paycheck for any of this, not getting an honorarium, not getting a nickel, except storing up treasure in heaven, doing work that will count for eternity. Wow. Barb Hamilton. Does anybody, ever, anybody know Barb Hamilton? And she comes in here like, like a hurricane. She makes Mr. Muscles, or what's the name of the guy, selling the lemon cleaning fluid? Yeah, him. He's nothing compared to what Barb can do. Cleaning this place up, doing miracles. Howling in the kitchen, doing miracles. Listen to me, folks. God has got significant work for you to do that will count for eternity. Ways that you know nothing about. And not for a paycheck. I wonder today, what is the work that God wants you to do? Because I can guarantee you this. If you're one of those people who's been feeling depressed and feeling like life is meaningless and you're just getting a paycheck and getting up in the morning and like the gerbil, eating, drinking, going to work, coming home, watching TV, going to sleep, and then doing it all over again the next day. Look, if that's you, I've got good news for you. God wants to liberate you from your little prison, from your little cage. He wants to broaden your horizons. He wants to give you a whole new meaning, a whole new purpose to life. And my question to you today is this, is how many will show up for duty? How many will say, God, I want to do what you want me to do? Because there's stuff that only you can do. You were created for eternity. If you follow Jesus Christ, my friends, you have eternal life. And it starts now so that everything you do counts for eternity. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the eternal life that you've given us. And because we have eternal life, that means that our actions will count for eternity. Our efforts, our focus, our vision will have eternal value, eternal significance. God, I pray for each one here today, for those who've been living a meaningless existence. God, may this be the turning point today where, they, where each one will say, God, I want to follow you with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength. I want my life to count. I want to start living for others. God, thank you. Thank you for those who, who give and give and give. For those who want to live a life that will count for eternity. So God, as we go from this place now, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage each one here to bring somebody next week to hear the good news about the abundant life that God wants us to have here while we're still on this earth. In the meantime, God, we know... If we put our faith in you, we're going to heaven. And we're so excited about that. And we want to say thank you, Jesus, for the gift of eternal life. And now as we go from this place, may we go with your power, with your strength, with your spirit. And everyone said it with me? Amen. Amen. Tell the person beside you, you're a masterpiece.